back. Welcome back to me, back to my office, back to New Delhi. Um, and also, welcome back to sound quality. Uh, the speaker on the phone wasn't bad. Uh, you know, it just uh, wasn't quite as good. Anyway, uh, and it also was picking up sounds of birds. I know uh, Robbie enjoyed the uh, the birds, and uh, I enjoyed the breeze, even though sometimes it actually was interfering with the, uh, the vocals. <clears throat> but here, we've got the microphone nice and close to my face, and in the background, we've got city sounds. So, eh, you know, you win some... You lose a lot. No, not really. So, um, I want to share a few things with you, but I do want to get to the reading today. So, I'm going to move a little bit quickly. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, after that last episode, you might remember I was at the home of my father-in-law. Uh, oh, real quick, real quick. I've decided I'm going to create a few different playlists. Uh Perhaps one for each of these segments or sections, exclusive of Dhammapada, because Dhammapada, you know, well, anyway, if this is the first time you've ever seen this face and this robe, click here instead. And that is the whole playlist from the beginning. I was going to count them. I don't know how many uh, hours it is. I think it's like something... It's approaching 20 hours of uh, content, as they say. Um, the Edward Reeves Buddhist Books podcast, which is now a uh, YouTube series and a, uh, a proper podcast on uh, Apple and all the podcasting networks. So, yeah, um, that thing I pointed at earlier will, you know, start you at the beginning. And you can click in the description below and see all these links as well. So you don't have to catch them while they're up there. That's a little pro tip there. You can just click that little down arrow and scroll past the rambling description of the episode. Down below that are all the links that I point to up there. They're called cards in YouTube content creator speak. So <clears throat> if you have not any idea why I would be reading Jain uh, sutras on, I'm going to stop saying Jainist because apparently that's not a word. Even though Jainism is a word, Jainist is not a word. Jain is the word. It's the Jain path. A person is Jain if they're on the Jain path, I guess. Comment below if I've got that bass backwards. Um, anyway, so if you don't know why I would be talking about Jain Jainism, yeah, that's a word. Okay. <clears throat> On a Buddhist podcast, then click here to start with the Jain Sutras playlist, which I haven't created yet as I'm talking to you, but when, by the time you see this, I will have created it. And that will start you with episode one of Jain Sutras, in which I was in Bihar uh, at the home of my father-in-law. After that, we went to the home of my mother-in-law, um, She's looking at me from the corner here. Uh, she is in another plane. But her uh, father, here you can see uh, Piu and I. Piu is short for Priyal, with, uh, with her grandfather. And in the spirit of nonviolence, here is a clip of Priyal shooting her grandfather's gun. She really enjoyed that. Um, first time shooting a gun, and she's been wanting to shoot that particular gun, I think, since she was very small. Um, so anyway, I don't know. It has a different ring to it, 
than you know seeing some American out there in the field shooting his gun. Seeing uh, seeing Priel shoot a grandfather's gun feels somehow wholesome. Anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, so also speaking of the paths of Jainism and Buddhism and uh, you know nonviolence in the spirit of non-materialism and detachment from material things. I want to show you all the stuff I bought while I was in Bihar, right? Missing the point. It's what I do. Um, so you might recall if you saw the Heart Sutra episode, which is here. Okay, that's card three. I have to remember. You only allowed five per episode. We went and saw Mahabodhi Temple. You remember you saw it from a distance. You saw it up close. You saw all the different Buddhas and Taras and so on and so forth and disciples and monks and they, yeah, my wife calls them small monks um, that were around the edge approaching as we approached I think we were uh, where were we yeah we were looking at the the the, uh, the statues here and then suddenly we saw the Bodhi tree which uh, is hiding oh no it's right here so the Bodhi tree is here relative to Mahabodhi. The entrance to Mahabodhi is in the front, the Bodhi tree is in the back, and the statue of Buddha that you saw, the shaky one, because my hand was shaky and it wasn't a Steadicam iPhone because they don't allow iPhones. Anyway, um, so that gold face Buddha that was going boing, boing, boing while the Tibetan bells and chants were going wild, um, that's inside right here. And then right outside is the Bodhi tree. So the idea is that the Buddha statue is right where the Buddha would have been sitting and the Bodhi tree is right where the Bodhi tree is. Now, you might be thinking, I don't know, but you might be thinking, uh, that'd be a really old Bodhi tree. I think that might be the oldest tree in existence, or maybe there's like an 8,000-year-old tree somewhere in, an, in a tundra, I forget. Anyway, um, no, it's not the original Bodhi tree. The idea is that uh, it, it, a sapling from the original Bodhi tree was kept by the disciples, and a sapling from that Bodhi tree was kept by the disciples, and they kept it all right in the same spot, and they took care of it and honored it as, ah, this is the tree he sat under, even though it's actually the great-grandchild of the tree he sat under. So, so it could be that. Um, maybe it's all just made up. I don't know. We could be skeptical. So there's that. Okay, let's move along so we can get through everything. Um, now, I already had a Vajrasattva, I'm not even really sure where it came from. I think I got this Vajrasattva in uh, Kathmandu in 1997. But in Bodh Gaya last week, I got this Vajrasattva. Because, you know, come on, I had to. It's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. So he's like the, the ultimate perfect student who follows the path and is disciplined and then attains mastery. Right? So we'll get to Vajrasattva later on, I think, when we get to Vajrayana. I don't think he's mentioned much in Mahayana. And then there was another statue that I was like, this is gorgeous, I have to buy it, and I don't normally buy statues of beings I don't know their name or who they are. Uh, but I made an exception for this, uh, what turns out to be a lady. Uh, sometimes, in the case of Vajrasattva, people often think he's a lady. He's, you know, androgynous, 
but they say he's he's male, you know. Uh, but this turns out it is a lady. Usually, I mean, in the case of the Taras, that you know, they're obviously ladies. I won't go into details because there might be kids watching, right? Kids don't know about those. Anyway, um, so her name, I have written down here, is Vasudara, it turns out. I asked my friend, uh, and he was able to tell me that this is a two-armed form of Vasudara, who is the girlfriend, partner. I don't like saying consort. I know in like Indian English, it's it's like, you know, there's nothing wrong, no weird connotation with consort, but it just sounds a little odd to my ear. Uh, the consort or partner, tantric partner of Jambala, who is a wealth god. He has a rat that uh, vomits jewels, which is, you know, quite a thing to have, right? And now if you've read The Goose Who Lays the Golden Egg, then you know, don't cut the rat open. There won't be any jewels inside. Just wait. He'll keep barfing up the jewels. Now, they, they practice Tantra together. Don't visualize that because, you know, she's much bigger than him. And, you know, that'd be, that'd be a, a dirty thing to have in your mind when we're talking about such a pure and... Uh, anyway. Yes. So... They are the now reunited happy couple. So that's that's nice to be able to, to bring home his dear friend. Hopefully that will put him in a good mood. So his rat will, you know. <clears throat> okay, what else? Uh, yeah, okay, well, I have a green Tara over here. Um, we'll introduce her another time. You might have seen her at the beginning of one of the Lotus Sutra episodes, if you saw those. But I wanted a, I wanted a white Tara. So this is white Tara. Uh, you can tell she's white Tara because her legs are in full Lotus. Green Tara, she has one leg out like she's ready to get up and help you. So when you pray to green Tara, she comes right away because she, she you know, uh, arrives. She, she gets up and helps you right away. Anyway, get your mind out of the gutter. Um, so, yeah, the other thing about White Tara is she has seven eyes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those are on the feet. So, yeah, she has an eye right here. Um, and also, we do honor our Hindu roots in this house. Actually, uh, according to the law, I am a Hindu. There's the proof. All right. Don't freeze frame that and look at it. That's creepy. Um, so yeah, okay. So so the, these are mala beads. I, I call this my interdimensional coffee house mala beads because they're malachite. If you get that, you're cool. Um, like really cool. This is like different types of onyx with like Om Mani Padme Hum or something, you know, Tibetan written, written on it. And uh, so to the Hinduism first, we have a cute little Ganesh whose arms move constantly if there's a light on. Ooh, the shadow is pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, so that's really cute. His hands just don't stop moving. And there's little accoutrement for him to have in his hands, which I haven't put in his hands yet. I'll get to that later. Um, also, in the world of Hinduism, we have Dancing Shiva. Hear that song? Click there. I've forgotten the name of the song. Okay, so that was number four, right? Good. Um, 
Yeah, so this is Shiva dancing uh, at the end of the Kali Yuga age to destroy everything so that it can start over with another golden age. So, yeah, that's what that is. And uh, if you see Mani Karnika, I put a card up for that in a previous episode. Then there's a nice little brief, but nice, like, uh, dance performance going on on stage at her kingdom uh, where you get to hear that. You also get to see um, uh, Kanada, Kanada Nath. I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but she's a wonderful actress and uh, she has very strong opinions. I'll just say that much. Um, but anyway, she, you get to see her as Kali very briefly. So that's awesome. I'm just going to say it's awesome. Um, this is, uh, you've seen him before. Although when you saw him, his skin was blue and he was running around with a lady that wasn't his wife and he was incarnate. This is what he looks like when he's not incarnate. This is Vishnu, um, who you might know by one of his avatars, Krishna, or Krishna, as they say, back where I'm from. Um, and, uh, okay, we're getting toward the end, I swear. I will read. Now, you might say, didn't you already have one of those? Yes, I did. So now I have one for the heart chakra. And one for the third eye. Very nice, right? No? Okay. It grows on you. That was part of the uh, meditation my dad and I performed. Now, you've seen my... Um, my modern uh, sort of nationalistic uh, Ashok symbol, the lions of Ashok. Uh, but uh, while I was in, where was I? Gosh, I think I was in uh, Rajgir. I got this in Rajgir, the city of kings. So this is in the style of the old pillars of Ashok. And the next time you see this, it's going to be more colorful. And it's going to be on the Esoteric Nerd podcast. I'm saving that fifth card, so I'm not pointing there just yet. I'm going to decide. And uh, So yeah, I, I mentioned, yeah, I, I became Hindu um, because it really helped with the process of getting married to Priyal. And... Um, what I like to say, just to be brief, is my Hinduism includes the teachings of Jesus as well as Lord Buddha. And uh, Mohammed? Eh. I mean, if I'm being honest, not as much Mohammed, but, but Rumi and uh, Hafiz. You know Hafiz? The gift Hafiz? I mean, they, 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 they quote Mohammed, so, you know, indirectly Mohammed. But uh, honestly, I haven't read the Quran. But I have read a lot of uh, Sufi poetry. I did go through a hardcore Sufi phase that lasted precisely two days. If you want to learn more about that, then buy my upcoming poetry compilation, Eburito, which will be available on Amazon in May of 2022 and forever after that. Okay, now we're getting down to it. That's everything I wanted to show you. So thank you, everybody. Um, just real quick, this is this. We didn't get this. Uh, Priel got this when she was younger. When she went to Bodh Gaya in her twenties, she's in her thirties now, and uh, it's basically like postcards, 
you know, pictures from Bodh Gaya. And, uh, and at Nalanda University, a similar thing, like pictures from Nalanda University. And uh, see, you might remember from the previous episode seeing things like this. And uh, now there was a museum there across the street. If you go to Nalanda University, the ruins, don't forget to go to the museum across the street. Um, because inside they have statues that were found when they excavated, when they, you know, dug up the soil around and, and just basically rediscovered the university about 80 years ago or, or 60 years ago, something like that. Um, and uh, you're not allowed to take pictures inside. So unfortunately, I can't show you what the, did you see that? Anyway, so it is absolutely forbidden to take pictures inside that museum. So unfortunately, I can't show something weird going on, guys. Uh, I can't show you. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, I obviously clearly didn't take any pictures. But, but there are pictures in, in here in this little handout. Also, the museum publishes a little booklet um, but as soon as they publish it, when they get their stack of these books, they just fly off the shelves, and you can't get them anywhere else. And I've searched online, and I can't find them. So if you know where to find the book that they publish, where they go into detail about all those statues, uh, all the statues at um, the museum across the street from Nolanda University, uh, which, you know, I mean, kind of like show the progression from Mahayana into Vajrayana before Vajrayana was exported to Tibet. Um, well, and after. Padmasambhava went in the 700s, and then uh, others went after him. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, okay. I'm, I wanna, I'm moving quickly because I want to get to a little bit of the reading, at least 10 minutes of the reading, and then I swear, episode 3 of Jain Sutras, I'm going to read for a full at least 23 minutes of the half hour, or 34 minutes-ish that the episode is. Um, so yeah, okay, so at the JNS Museum, I picked up the Distilled Essence of Nonviolence, a very JNS thing, um, a translation of Ahimsa Darshan. We may get to this. Oh, by the way, I wrote to UPS and said, you know, uh, what's up with that? Thank you um, for that. What's her name, my God? Okay, fifth card. <laughs> that came from that video. Okay. Anyway, uh, so the equanimity, of course, is volume one, and I'm going to be reading volume two. There's also Who is a Saint by that, uh, not by the saint, but by um, Upadhyaya Rishi Praveen, where we're going to be reading the words of Upadhyaya Amar Muni uh, as he breaks down these 2,200 to 2,300-year-old Jain Sutras. Let's get to that, shall we? Without further ado, uh, the title of the episode is, I don't know what it is yet, but you know, because you saw it. It is <clears throat> Namaskara Sutra. Okay. Cool. Um, Five-fold obeisance. So I looked up obeisance, and if you recall the previous episode where I was talking a little bit about Indian English and differentiating it from the other Englishes in the uh, four main English-speaking, you know, England, U.S., Australia, Canada. Uh, for example, the word 
C-U-M, cum, come, uh, in India, that means as well as. Nobody snickers when they see a sign like this or a plaque like this or they get a receipt like this. Nobody giggles because in Indian English, that is not a dirty word. Also, uh, when, when, uh, you know, when we first were seeing each other and uh, she was telling me, oh, I used to have such a cute bitch. And, uh, and I was like, what? And she was like, oh, it's, it's, she was the cutest bitch. She was just, you know, I, I love that bitch so much. And I, I was like, are you talking about a dog? And she was like, well, of course, you know, yeah, bitch. What would I, what else would I mean by that? So yeah, like I said, it's 19th century English that's been evolving on its own. This means swag, which I guess is related to swagger or swag. It basically means something like fashion or coolness. And uh, this is the sign for it. And people go, people go like this, you know they mean swag. If you're in India, talking to a, an Indian English speaker. If someone doesn't speak English, they only speak Hindi, this probably will be meaningless. But if they're a speaker of Indian English. Anyway, I've gone on way too long. Let's do 10 minutes, 10 solid minutes of this. The sutra, in my horrible pronunciation, says, Namo Arihantanam, Namo Sidhanam, Namo Ayariyata, not Sorry, uh, I think, Nart, not. Namo Uvaj Hayanam, Namo Loi Savasahunam, Eso Panka, Namo Karo Sava Pava Panasano, Mangalat Nam, yeah, okay, uh, Ka. Save, it's almost done, I, I swear. Savesir Padhamat Havai Mangalam. That's the end of the sutra, right? So these are things that are chanted. I've never actually heard it chanted, or if I did, I didn't know what I was listening to. Um, so, breaking it down. Namo means I bow to. Oh, obeisance, that's what I was talking about. In 1820, that was a word in English, which meant uh, like, uh, you know, bowing to, bowing to the prince to, to uh, you know, have obeisance. Probably people who've read like old books are like, you idiot, you don't know obeisance. But yeah, you know it because you've read old books, not because you heard anybody say it on the street, unless you're from India. It's one of those words that's part of Indian English. Um, so, okay, namo, I bow to. The second word, uh, <laughs> okay, arihantanam, the arihatas, or victors, okay. Uh, namo, I bow to, I'll just go to, okay, so this is breaking down what it means. I bow to the victors. I bow to the siddhas, or liberated souls, not to be confused with siddhis, you Vajrayana nut, you. Uh, I bow to the, or yogi, whatever. Uh, I bow to Akaryas, pre, the preceptors. Preceptors. Precepts. Preceptors. Hmm. Okay. A dim light bulb almost turning on. Precepts. Precepts. I know precepts. Preceptors. 
The people who follow the precepts. Okay, okay. I bow to the Akaryas, the preceptors. All right. The light went on. I bow to the spiritual teachers. I bow to, in this universe, all. Ascetics. <laughs> I bow to all. What are we, some kind of Gnostic? What is this, thunder the perfect mind? No, I bow to the people who are starving themselves. I'm not going to talk crap. I swear, I'm not going to talk crap. This isn't going to be a repeat of the Lotus Sutra. That was going to be the fifth card, by the way, but I had to use it for borders because I forgot the name of um, the person whose face I used. Uh, obviously later when I edit. Sometimes I do that where I decide. Anyway, okay. I bow to, in this universe, all ascetics. All right? This is Jainism. Okay. You caught up? This fivefold obedience, all the sins, annihilates the fivefold obedience. So the fivefold, I bow to, I bow to. The bowing, namo caro, means obedience. Namo means I bow to. Right? So obedience means the bowing to of, or bowing to, right? In 1820 English. Okay. Uh, and among all, the auspicious supreme is auspicious is. Okay, okay, okay. Now, uh, please, oh, 20th century saint, Apadhyaya Amar Muni. Blessed be he, I guess. Is that what you say? Comment below. Uh, he, he's going he's gonna to put that all in a, like a proper paragraph for us. So here we go. I bow down to the Arihantas. I bow down to the Sitas. I bow down to the Akaryas. I bow down to the Apadhyayas. Upad, Upadhyayas. I bow down to all the Sadhus. Sadhus! I know Sadhus. Okay, that slipped by me. Now I get it. In this universe, this fivefold obedience annihilates all sins. And is the supreme among all that is auspicious. So there you have the literal translation of the Namaskara Sutra, Sutra also called the Fivefold Obedience. Okay, now we're going to get into a little bit of analysis and commentary for a few minutes anyway, and then we'll continue in uh, the next episode. All right. How will I title these? Is the title going to be very long? Uh, well, I'll figure it out. Anyway, I'll, I'll probably call this Jane Sutra, Jane Sutras Two, Part Two, and then uh, then Namaskara Sutra in the title. Eh, whatever. If, if, if for the people who are already watching, they'll watch it. But like they say, don't make your title too long if you want to appeal to all the lovely people um, on, uh, you know, who are, who are content consumers on their telephones. Those lovely 500 million or so. Um, okay. Or are we up to a billion now? Uh, okay. Analysis. In human life, they are lovely. You are lovely. I'm talking about those other ones. They're not all lovely. I mean, we have to admit that, right? Except on a very transcendental level where you can see through the layers upon layers of, uh, you know, the, as my dad put it, what was the words he used? Ego masks uh, inside of other ego masks in carrying passionate bodies of, 
of past life ego masks, underneath all those layers is a beautiful, beautiful being in every case, right? Okay, analysis. In human life, namaskara, or paying obeisance, holds an esteemed position. One can gauge the extent to which a person admires and emulates another's qualities from the manner in which he or she pays obeisance to those superior in stature or intellect. Okay. The gentleness and sensitivity of an individual can be assessed from the joy with which he bows before the great souls that are superior to him. Setting aside all egos and offering himself to them completely. Okay, so it's some old school like worship your guru stuff. I say with respect and uh, I note that uh, I, I do not fall into this category. So we'll read on. Maybe you do. That's fine. I don't, I'm not judging. I'm, uh, you know, just making little snarky comments. Okay, the meaning of namaskara. Obedience is the perfect symbol of humility and openness to superior qualities. The grammarians give the following analysis of obedience. Here's a lot of word, a lot of word, long, long word. I assume it's Sanskrit because I assume that every Indian word that I can't pronounce is Sanskrit, but it may not be. I don't know. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Next time I'll try to pronounce it. I'll start by trying to pronounce it next time. I'll just finish up. Uh, the meaning of the word namaskara in this title, you are greater than me, superior to me in qualities, and I am inferior to you with lesser qualities. Okay, that's namaskara. How many uh, yoga teachers who say namaskara mean that? Well. Okay. Here, the relationship between lesser and greater beings is as pure and qualitative as that of father and son, or master and disciple. It is the kingdom of love and devotion that exists between devotee and deity. The devotee stands before his God only to receive pure samskaras from him. Nowhere is the feeling of helplessness and dependence to be seen in this. It is not, therefore, a relationship between master and slave. Okay, that's a nice place to close, I think. That's a, you know, we'll end with, with uh, you know, what some of us were thinking, master and disciple, not the same as master and servant. Let's play. Depeche Mode, anybody? No? I'm old. Um, perhaps you are too. Hello there. Uh, fellow Gen Xer or, or Boomer. Are there any silent generation? Cheers to the silent generation. Any greatest generation? No, 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 no. They, they, they have gone to the next uh, plane. I assume, my grandpa and so on. Um, well, okay, thank you for joining me. And uh, next time we'll delve a little deeper into this. 
If you were expecting more, I apologize. If this is your first episode that you watched. If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe. And uh, maybe maybe click the like button. You know, I like to see those likes pile up. It gives me a nice feeling. When I check in with the video and I go, ooh, there's, there's another like. I'm not quite at that level where it's like, only 20,000 likes for this video. Hmm. You know, but I'm not like trying to try to make get sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm happy if uh you know, 10 people watch the video and four people click like. I'm like, cool. Cool. Um so was there anything else? Did I forget anything? Did I that I want to mention anything that I didn't mention? Well, if I did, then uh, you know, I'll uh Make a point to do that next time. But for now, before this episode runs on too long, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for going on this ride with me. And uh, let's close with the prayer that my father and I performed when I was very young. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. saw that coming those on the podcast i apologize to your ears until next time